Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, that is Eddie Vega. And that is Chibi Ordunia. And this is Words and Shit. Brought to you by The Blah Poetry Spot and Write Art Out. The show where you get to know the person behind the poetry. Okay, Chibi, so I know you live in San Antonio now. You've been part of a San Antonio slam team. Multiple times. Uh, multiple times. Uh, you lived in Austin. Mm-hmm. But do you say you're from either of those two places? So here's the thing. I grew up in Laredo, uh-huh. which is on the border. From there, I went to Austin, where I went to college and lived there for five years. From there, like most millennials my age do, I moved back in with my parents. So I lived in Laredo for three years. Then I moved to Houston and lived there for four years. And now I've been here in San Antonio for four years. It's about to be four years. So whenever people ask me, I got to be real. Whenever people ask me where I'm from, I say Texas. (laughs) All right. That's fair. That's fair. Because I feel like I'm from all over. And, you know, let's be real. Like every city that I've lived in has influenced me in some way that makes up who I am. Um, And I say I'm from Texas because anything northwest of Austin does not count. (laughs) In my mind, and I know there's going to be Dallas people that are going to want to like shank me for it. I know El Paso feels a certain type of way about it, but like, come on, El Paso, you're like basically Arizona, okay? Oh my God, you didn't even give New Mexico. All right. (laughs) You're right. Sorry. Let me say that again. I'll edit it in the podcast. (laughs) All right, El Paso, you're like basically New Mexico. So... (laughs) When when I say Texas, it's very central southeast Texas, but like there's there's something about this whole region that is made up who I am that I can't single myself to a to to a city because I I do claim influences from all over these places that I've lived. You know? I'm curious though, because you've you are from the Rio Grande Valley, mm-hmm. which You'll notice I didn't say I'm from the Rio Grande Valley. I said I'm from Laredo because the no, no, R- two different things. RG- RGV would shank me for saying I was from the valley. I think Laredo would shank you too. They're like, no, that we're not the valley. Yeah, yeah that's true. So you're from there, but you've lived in San Antonio for for um, yeah, uh, for um, since on and off. I mean, I came here to college. You know, like like you said, you went to Austin. I was here for five years, and I moved to Mexico for one year. I was in Veracruz for a year. Uh, moved back. To San Antonio, then moved to California for two years, but then moved back to San Antonio. So sometimes, I, and I, so I've been here more than twenty years, longer than I ever spent in the valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a it's a weird question to say where I'm from, because I my my bio says I am originally from the Rio Grande Valley, but now lives in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to claim both, and just like you say. Every one of those places has somehow contributed to who I am mm-hmm. and what I what I write about or what my art is in, mm-hmm. and um, that really I think that that says a lot about our next guest. Mm. It's one of those things where like influences about the places that you live do contribute to the work that you do. And she says, you know, she says in the interview, she is a true Louisianan, bi-coastal Louisianan. And I think you you feel it, you you hear it in her work and you feel it in her energy. She embodies 
what a small town and big town Louisiana girl is. And I just, we had so much fun with her. <laughs> just hearing her story and getting to know more. So let's get into it. Tell us about our guest. Chicondria Icon Sibley is an Alexandria, Louisiana native and longtime New Orleans-based award-winning poet, author, performing artist, visual artist, teaching artist, host, event curator, and creator of the viral to all the little black girls with big names movement. She's a multi-time national poetry stamp champion and performer. She travels the country and has made many television and stage appearances, including on TV One's Verses and Flow and on the main stage at the Essence Music Festival. Her work has been featured on many outlets such as the Huffington Post, For Harriet, Teen Vogue, In Style, BET, and BBC World Radio. She's also featured on musical projects with multiple national recording artists and has co-written two short films. Icon uses her work and words largely to speak on her existence as a Southern Black woman as it relates to identity, family, community, faith, and healing. And speaking of winter, her first published work, My Name is Pronounced Holy, will be available in winter of winter of 2020 that's coming up woo ladies and gentlemen icon the one and only <laughs> gb ADD, how are you too great great i should have meant to mention and and uh author of one of my favorite slam poems ever you know that the uh and now and of course right now <laughs> since I didn't write it down I'm not thinking about it. You're having a brain fart. Trigger warning is one of my favorite. I have to say too, just to, to give give credit where credit is due, uh, we definitely wrote a group piece that was elevated after we saw your the name of this poem is poem. Hey. And it was like, <laughs> what if we do that in this poem? And we did, and it like blew it up. So like you are an inspiration to us all. Isn't that? Oh, I appreciate that. Well, you know that poem originally was um, worked from a format by Mahogany Brown. Originally, it was the working yeah. title format. So mm -hmm. I do want to give her props on on creating that format. But yeah, see, I and that's how that's how art works. One person trickles to the next, to the next, to the next, and it just spreads and flows. And it's such a wonderful thing. And you are a curator of spaces as well. So we appreciate all that you've done for the community and such. Um, but we'll get into all of that in a moment, okay? Let's go ahead and start off the way we start off every week and just hand the show over to you, my friend, and please bless us with some poetry. I shall. Um, I'll just do a couple and then we'll, whatever, talk about some things um, throughout the show. So the first poem, I recently took down my braids as a lot of black girls do. We wear these protective styles, um, these ways of expressing ourselves through our hair, through our looks, through um, the way we care for each other and care for our hair with our hands. And so this is a gospel of girls who do hair, an edge and people snatching word. Amen, amen. <laughs> um, ain't they something, these hands? These magical black girl hands. How they can weave protective prayers into weary scalps, literally. Like abracadab, a little blue magic into our palms and poof, all your day's worries and nappy edges are gone. See, this kind of honor is our birthright, passed down from our grandmamas. Us sitting on the kitchen floor watching, watching our grandmother wave over that stove, that hot pressing cone like it was a wand with all of that smoke and fire. 
See, this kind of tradition is our apprenticeship that crossed over on ships. How within chained together palms, we still manage to carry the muscle memory of gripping edges and trying our damnness not to go over them. You know, some say, some say hair braiders in many ancient cultures were considered healers, those with access to the head, to the crown chakra. I guess that's why my grandmama always say, be careful who you let get in your head. Tell them don't throw that shed hair away for fear a bird will come and make nest of it and drive you crazy someday. No, instead, remember the smoke and fire in your grandmama's hand, make ash of the hair and return it to the dust from which it came like poof. Watch a magic black girl sitting on the front porch or in the front room or in the kitchen or in the beauty shop teach a whole entire history lesson about how this country was built using nothing but her hands. How she be braiding patterns into hair so we do not forget the way to freedom. Tired, aching feet from standing all day. Arthritic hands balled up in a fist like kitchens, resisting the greasy finger griot who do business by word of mouth. The same way we people share all things we consider sacred. She who has mastered the art of catching and gripping that which other folk allow to slip right through their fingers. Hair savior, walking on ways across continents of coils, create culture out of cucker bugs. Expert in economics 101, that is how to take nothing, i.e. your edges and turn them into something and ain't they something. These Old Testament hands, how they make perfect Red Sea geometry of parts, these ancient comedic hands, how they make perfect geometry of box braids, DNA kinky twisting good hair into our genetics since Genesis and the good word on the street be that each time a black woman slays your edges, an angel gets its baby hair, giver of a new do and a new life for folk be born again when they leave our chairs or from in between our knees, for they both be a heaven this world don't even deserve. For heavy is the head that wears the tangled crown, but anointed are the hands that tend their tender and itchy scalps and know how to build an entire kingdom from scratch. So that's one, um, one of my favorite poems. Just uh, if you ain't never sat between a black girl's legs before and had your hair braided, or had your scalp greased and you have never lived life. <laughs> how about that? Um, this next poem, is one that I would like to do that is actually, um, if I can find it, I'm scrolling through computers. There was this thing I did called slam poetry where I did a lot of memorizing poems. I think the older I get, I'm starting to just um, understand how sacred it is to also read poems from a piece of paper or from a notebook or from or whatever you're reading from. Um, so this is for, if you've ever seen the movie Color Purple, uh, uh, shoot, I had the poem. How about we'll skip that poem until I can get it to pull up on the computer because it's doing a lot of skipping around. This poem is for um, Seely called The Black Madonna. If you've ever seen the movie Color Purple, you know the story of Seely and um how she had to learn to love herself um, and how another black woman taught her how to do so. Um, so she called me a virgin and I wanted to call her a blasphemer because I know what virgin mean. I also know what somebody climbing on top of me to do his business mean. See the man who me and my sister Nettie called our father showed me first. Then the man who named I ain't even much know so till Suge say it first so I call him Mr. They beat it into my bones with their mouths and their fists, 
and their bodies till I forgot that I even had a body. Thought all this body was good for was business and birth and babies. So when she say, why Miss Seeley, that means you still a virgin. I remember that to be virgin means to be desired, to be praised and worshiped like an idol, not to have your body used simply as confessional, like it'd be an ugly secret. A show is ugly secret. Like maybe it'd be a place for sinners to come and spill all they moonshine sins. But see, one day, I was feeling down. I was feeling mighty low when she gave me permission to stop hiding behind a closed mouth and pride open legs to finally see myself the way I came into this world without burden or shame, to smile big and wide and free of judgment. And that day, that day when I seen me in that mirror, I know there's a God. I know that I ain't have to follow no man alive on earth in order to find heaven. And it got me to thinking about Mary, how her body was only used for business and birth and babies too. That ain't nobody ever take the time to peel back the black and the ugly to find her wings or find her angel enough to ever know heaven, even though Mary's body was what everyone else needed to get to heaven themselves. Funny, funny how others will crucify your body to get to a place that they don't even find you worthy of being. So Mary, I think about you all the time. Like, sister, you've been on my mind. Like, I know what it's like to only be worth your weight and what you can do for mankind and how you ain't asked for none of this. Not even Joseph's sorry ass hand in marriage. And how even though your name be used by some to lift the heavy of heavenly petitions or praise only for what you have pushed out and not pushed back, how you still be seen as confessional as a place for sinners to come and spill all of their sins and cover you with their, their guilt, but never will they erase the holy of you and why Mary, that means you still a virgin. Um, And I'll do one more short one, I guess, and then we'll, I guess, can get the conversation, which I'm sure is what everybody came here for since that's the show's tagline, right? To get to know them the poet behind the work. Um, so this poem is called, there's two names for it. One is uh, uh, the N word and one is actually nebula, um, which means you can look that up. It's a, a cosmic occurrence that is beautiful and timeless. And I like to think of myself and my people as such. So you, um, you too black, right? Like ain't come over here with a passport or a visa black. Like two bottom of the cargo ship black, two bottom of the Atlantic black, two bottom of the melting pot black. You the kind of black that ain't never really been nowhere. Got one foot stuck in a plot of land that carries your blood, but someone else's name. The other foot anchored in your own forgetful mouth. You too loud black. A black that everything that wishes to be black tries to swallow. Everybody want to tell your story black, want to sing your song and not call it karaoke black. Mimic your cool and disregard all the scorching summers that made you this black. You to bottom of the spaceship black, a black that this world can't even behold. A black so infinite that when you are told to go back where you came from, you know that that means everywhere. (laughs) 
And the crowd goes wild. We're cheesy like Thank y'all for being with me in this little computer. You know, when you have a document that's super long, you're like skipping through, you're like, what page am I on? We all been there. Ah, such amazing work. And I, you know, I, I feel like, cause you have such a body of work that just getting those, those three little samplings, I'm just kind of like, Ooh, but give me more, give me more. Um, which we'll get more later. But, um, so before we, we went into it, uh, I mentioned, you know, you are a curator of spaces, a curator of, of events and whatnot, and, uh, bringing people together and creating this community. Um, but 2020 said no to all of that. <laughs> there is no bringing people together in real life right now. Um, so how has 2020 affected kind of the, the events you do and the, and the things that you do on a regular? Right. So when this, when COVID first occurred, I was literally, we had a meeting at my job. I was in the middle of opening um, an ex exhibition like it was opening night when we got the meeting that, hey, we have to shut everything down. And we thought, oh, yeah, we'll come back in like a week and, you know, the exhibit will still be up and people will come see it. Well, that exhibit is still up and still has been unseen uh, in person to this day. And that was oh. March, the weekend, March 16th, I think. And so, yeah, it's it's really transformed. Like uh, and I know a lot of people will say this, you know, you had to become innovative in how we present things. And of course, this virtual world is one way in which we knew it was going to happen. It was already coming to this uh, with so many things being available online and like the technology just growing. But um, also in thinking about how to do things now that some spaces are open. I know some people are comfortable with that. Some people aren't and doing very small, um, you know, customized curated spaces where, you know, we take all the precautions we can. But yeah, everything is literally gone to virtual. I didn't change the background of my house so many different times and tried to different setups and different lightings. Like I'm, I'm really over and I miss people <laughs> miss stages and you know just that energy of what's in the room with you and how we that's what we came together for initially I think as poets was the fellowshipping of it you know mm -hmm. I think most of us fell in love with the page and the paper first but eventually especially as spoken word artists and as slam you know people who dabble in slam poetry um that energy of what's in the room is like what really feeds us a lot of the times. And so not being fed that can do something to the, to the soul and to the spirit. So you got to find other ways to nourish yourself. And sometimes that's, you know, yeah. Finding new, new ways to cook up the same recipe. You know? mm -hmm. Now, one of those collaborations that I saw recently, someone recently uh, was with Tank and the Bangers. Uh, it was a music video. Can you talk yeah. a little bit that or when, when how was it how long has it been since that was produced and whatnot so that was actually right before COVID. i want to say it was the end of january this year um my good friend tank is good for popping up with a surprise on you so i think <laughs> me and sunny initially thought we were just going to go to the studio and like hang out and do something she's like yeah i want to record we're going to do something and we had no idea like the magnitude of this project and how many amazing New Orleans artists and not just New Orleans artists, but New Orleans artists who are actually international like the PJ Mortons and so many of, you know, the people that were on the roster. But yeah, that song is now um, receiving a Grammy nod and will hopefully, you know, receive a Grammy nomination and we'll see. I 
hope to be, I don't know how many poets have Grammys yet, actual spoken word artists or poets, because, you know, they always give it to people who are, like, reading books. Like, I think Obama <laughs> might have a Grammy in spoken word. Yeah. yeah, Michelle Obama, I think, won one. And it's like, yeah, okay, you're Michelle Obama. You, Al Gore. <laughs> we'll let you have it. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned how we're we're trying to, you know, in this new world and in these new spaces that we're in, you have to find new ways to nourish yourself. How are you nourishing yourself and making sure that you, as a person, as an artist, is still 100 when the world mm -hmm. is on fire? Learning to be very um, gentle with myself. You know, we artists sometimes can be very, um, very hard, very um, judgmental of our own selves and our own work, especially we, we've done work that's been based in competition before or that's been, you know, put up against other work. And so during this time, I've, um, at the, at the uh, encouragement of friends, of course, have learned to do those exercises and being gentle with myself. And if I'm having a day where it's like, I, I can't create, I think I saw Ebony Stewart, um, shout out to Ebony, um, put up a post recently that was like, you know, how many people aren't, are feeling like you're kind of in a creative slump or not feeling as productive. And I, I don't want to say that I revel in seeing that when other people post it, but it's like, okay, I'm not by myself right now. Cause I, yeah. you know, you start to feel like, am I the only person who's just like not able to focus? But when we think about all the things that we are literally dealing with and man, when you wake up in the morning, you like can say that you washed your ass and made some breakfast like that. <laughs> accomplishment in itself so then to go say oh and then let me crank out some dope art oh, and then let me try to you know um manifest this idea that i had or whatever and yeah so a lot a lot of self-care and a lot of creating for the sake of creating what i want to create which mm -hmm. is a beautiful thing about kind of stepping away from slam poetry too it's like i write now the stuff that I want to write. And sometimes like people may get it. Maybe nobody's seen Color Purple, but this is a story that I can relate to about this lady or, you know, just writing the things that I need for me. And then mm -hmm. if other people grasp on to it, then hooray. And, you know, it's for who it's for. Mm. Do a lot of uh, movies inspire your work? I like, yeah, I'm a movie or I was a, a movie and documentary. I still am like a documentary person, but a lot of older movies, definitely. Um, movies, stories. I try to find inspiration from so many things. I remember sitting, I forgot whose workshop it was, but they were saying like, watch other things like silent film or foreign films or just like art forms that may not, not be your main, uh, you know, source of whatever. So I have a great respect for filmmakers and movie people, especially after working on, um, you know, a short film recently or whatever. I'm like, the people who can make, we made a seven minute long film and that was a lot of work. So I could imagine, you know, yeah. full future situations. And so, yeah, I have a lot of respect for people who dabble in, or not dabble, but who master their art forms, other art forms. Yeah, let's let's talk about that before we dive. There's a couple of questions in the chat I want to get into, but let's dive into your short film that premiered this past Monday, I think it was, or Tuesday. Um, woo! Um, it was called uh, A Dream for Sale, and I watched mm -hmm. it, and it had this very existentialness to it. Um, it's like somebody was high when they wrote it or something. It, right somebody <laughs> took a few, uh, put some mushrooms on the pizza and, you know, like the fun kind of mushrooms, the now legal in Oregon kind of mushrooms. Um, <laughs> <Additionally>. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Uh, so, you know, it, it really did have this existential feel where it's like, but what is real? What is reality? Who are we, right? Searching an identity and what, what defines that. Can you talk a little bit about kind of the meaning and the purpose behind the film and then also into the, the production of it? Cause you know, it, we're, we're, it's 2020, the world is burning, but we're still making art. <laughs> we're still making art, right? Um, I was initially approached with the idea. Uh, I wasn't supposed to be the actress in the film. It was kind of an idea thrown to me by a friend, Jonathan Isaac Jackson, who is a very uh, ridiculous filmmaker here in uh, New Orleans, who also um, works with the color section is the name of the production company. But, um, he told me this premise that another poet, a local poet here came up with about a scientist who wanted to record her dreams. Um, and so it just kind of spun from that whole idea of like, if we could record our dreams and then go back and see, but it's like, well, what's the dream? Which one is the dream? And then this mm -hmm. conversation happened where, like you said, it became this existential something. And then um, the actress who was supposed to do it wasn't able to. And Jonathan had originally just asked me to help write some of the, the um, the narrative uh, of it. So I ended up doing it and we found a French actress to do the narrative. For, and don't ask me where the French came from. We were just like, we're in Louisiana and it's New Orleans. <laughs> and this I would be cool to see people of color or see black people on film with something in French. And so it just, yeah. I was gonna. <laughs> I was. I was gonna ask about the French, but okay, yeah. It definitely has a very like eternal sunshine of the spotless, spotless mind. Yeah, that kind of feel to it, where you're like, "What is real?" <laughs> uh, but right. it's so it's beautifully done, um, and it, like you said, it's like a seven minute film. So if you haven't gone and watched it, y'all go on the internet. It's on the on the YouTube's and watch the YouTube. it. <laughs> right. Sometimes what happens with short films. Uh, is that they're done first as a short a producer or a filmmaker wants to make a short film first to maybe bridge into a longer film. Is mm -hmm. that in that future or is there, is this going to stay where it's at? I think this one may, we don't, we've kind of talked about what else could be done with it. Um, but I'm sure there are other projects we'll end up eventually working on together. Um, I'm, I know dabble has been my word. It feels like this whole conversation, but I've, I'm dabbling in, this is the second short film, like I said, that I've worked on. Um, the other one, I just helped write the storyline for it. But um, yeah, I just want to keep seeing where I could go. I, I mastered this short film thing, seven minutes. I think the other one was around 12 minutes and we can work our way up to like, you know, half an hour or whatever. And then we'll <laughs> yeah. Um, we have a question just on that subject. It sounds Sundancey, is it entered anywhere? Are we going to see Icon winning some film awards? I would hope so. Um, we're waiting for like different deadlines or when uh, film festivals, short film festivals are seeking submissions. And so the plan is initially we weren't going to release it um, to the public until we did film festivals first. But we're definitely looking into film festivals right now. But so many people had asked about it. So I'm like, eh, you know, let's just share it with the people. Well, good luck to you. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, let's get to some of these audience toes, questions. Toes like Fingers and toes. <laughs> <laughs> let's get to some of these audience questions. So you kind of talked about it a little bit, but uh, Bruce is asking, what are your artistic self-preservation -pres practices when it comes to this lack of audience? Because I, I feel you as a, as a theater person and a stage thing, this whole virtual life just does not at all compare. And I can't wait to get back to a live audience. So what are you doing to help 
keep you kind of sane and grounded when performing to the void. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to that thing I said again, where I'm doing it more so for myself, <laughs> because it does feel like then I'm the audience. I think I said in another interview before, like even being aware of the poems that I choose to do. Uh, I think the selection has been different during this time. I'm able to experiment a little more and do things that are a little less performance and more conversational or, um, you know, things of that nature. Also in preserving myself is like diving into my other art forms. Like if I can't do as much production, I mean, performance um, art and get as much satisfaction out of performance art, then it's like, well, let's do the visual art that doesn't require as much of a participatory audience or, you know, work on the film doesn't require as much of a participatory audience. So, yeah, finding a way to, yeah, just try to do the other things that bring some kind of joy. Nice. Performing for myself in the mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that when the poems are, like when there's no audience there to bounce the poem off of, one, does it sound a little bit different to you? And does it maybe affect you introspectively as an artist as you're doing it? Oh, yeah. I think it does um, because you have like no, I won't say interruption of it, of the of the poem. Mm-hmm. So you're cognizant of all of the whatever. And so then the Virgo and the artist in me then starts going, oh, that line sounds funny when you it, it read it out loud. <laughs> like I'm not I'm paying way more attention than I probably should to the silence that's on the other end. But also I think that's a, a it builds, um, I guess, appreciation for your work too, because it's like, okay, well, I wrote it and I have to sit with it. And it's mine. And yeah, mm-hmm. whether people applaud or not. Um, and, and also get you out of that needing to have the applause. So I think when you finally do get, when we finally do get applause again, we'll definitely cherish it a whole lot more. It won't just be like, ah, you know, <laughs> I'm an icon. I deserve applause. Like, no. Um, yeah. Well, the silence definitely shouts back sometimes. And you're like, and, and, and it sits very they differently. Like it? They did it. <laughs> That's when y'all came back on and there was applause. I'm like, hold up, what? Where? <laughs> we liked it. Icon deserves all the applause. All the applause. Love it, love it. Um, so speaking of things deserving applause, we have another uh, question here from the audience in terms of the work that you've done. And this may be getting into the weeds, uh, but it's Ryan says, I remember through the grapevine that you did prison outreach at one time with poetry or writing. Is there a specific topic or prompt that you remember being particularly effective with those individuals? Oh, yes, I did. Um, Man, that's so funny you mentioned that because that's been a thought that's come up recently about how much I kind of miss that work and miss um, those men. I worked mostly with men. I also worked with um, with young men this summer in juvenile um, facilities. Um, It's hard to say a particular prompt that works because I'll the situations are different, like all the different populations. I don't want to generalize and say, well, this prompt works for men who are incarcerated or, mm-hmm. you know, you never know what you might, where you are and what the climate is or what they're feeling like on that day. But I do find that um, allowing the space to open up 
um, I always do, well, I'll say what I usually do when I'm teaching classes. So I do a lot of journaling initially because in situations like that, sometimes it's hard for people to be vulnerable because vulnerability is dangerous in those kinds of environments. Mm -hmm. So a lot of journaling and allowing them the space to write what they need to write un filtered, unjudged or whatever. And I let them keep the journals. Like we never read it. If they want to share something they can share or not. Um, and I feel like though that's like the best prompt I can say is no prompt, like just allowing them the opportunity and space because there's always a framework around everything they do every day. Right. So it's like when they have the opportunity to write. And I was always just so amazed by the work that came out of the guys who were in those facilities, um, I used to actually take some of the college students who I worked with and let them go and slam against my men um, who were <laughs> locked up. And when I tell you, I, uh, none of my college teams have ever beat the guys. <laughs> They're just brilliant. I always think some of the most brilliant minds, unfortunately, you know, are yeah. um, in those situations and the creativity that they that they have. And I've talked to many of them who are out now and like have stepped into doing poetry in whatever cities they're in now or have published their books. Um, yeah, some amazing people um, in some, you know, not so good situations, unfortunately. I, I've Cheers. done a few of those workshops, those, uh, especially in Juvie. I've done a few of the Juvie workshops. And uh, I guess my question would, to you is how much of the stories that are there do you leave there and how much do you bring home with you and how does that affect your work i bought it all home with me unfortunately this summer was a hard one too especially with the covid and i was working in person at a facility i had a notebook that i bought specifically for that experience because every day i was writing a poem like just trying to get out what I experienced there and couldn't say um, and couldn't express or whatever. Um, but yeah, I would bring a lot of it home. And then especially in New Orleans, like the, com the community is so close and tight knit, like it's one degree of separation everywhere here. And so you'll have instances where it might be, um, I'm, without getting too personal, but I had a situation this summer where one of the students, you know, something happened in the community and, you know, community was involved in like, being a part of trying to help rectify the situation or whatever. And it was just like really <laughs> crazy because I knew about the situation at work. And then it was like in the community, we were also, you know, people were marching or talking about it or trying to come up with solutions for, you know. So I say all that to say, <laughs> it's hard to take that off and, and, you know, hang it up when you come home. Cause I still think about it all the time and think about all those, young men, as much as a lot of them may say, you can leave and go back home and you're not worried about us here. Like they all like really impact me probably more than I ever impacted them to be honest. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, well, I'm just another teacher who came through the classroom and for me, they're like so much potential, you know, and I'm constantly keeping them in my prayers and my thoughts and my, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I, honestly, as a, as a writer, you you never have time off. Everything is constant inspiration. It's constant source. It's constant, you know, fodder for what ends up becoming your work. So there is no time off for a writer, and you you carry all of your experiences with you. Um, what are some of the things that have in uh, influenced your work, your style, like your your inspirations? You know, you mentioned Mahogany Brown earlier, um, but is there certain 
authors or certain uh, identities or something that really drives your work? Yeah, um, it was something I ran away from for a long time. So I, a lot of people I think thought I, or think I'm originally from New Orleans. <laughs> um, I'm not, I'm from a little town, like you said in my bio, Alexandria, Louisiana, which is about three hours northwest of New Orleans. Um, and so I think I'm now paying more attention to the uh, environment that kind of raised and created me, which is this small, cute town of good country folk who, you know, um, get together in somebody's backyard and cook and everybody's a part of everything and a part of everybody's family and communities, really community. Um, and so I feel like that's my biggest inspiration is like when I look at those people. And so when I do poems about the little black girls of big names, that's from the, the girls I knew growing up in my neighborhood or when I talk about, um, you know, um, braiding hair on the front porch, whatever. That's the the environments I grew up with, you know, going to get your hair braided uh, on somebody's porch or in their living room. Or So those those stories all come back to my mind. The first place I ever stood up to, to speak in public was at my little country Baptist church, a little white wooden building, you know, um, in the middle of a community across the street from my aunt's house, a block up the street from my grandmother's house. You know, everything was just there and in vicinity. Um, and so I think that's my biggest inspiration right now. I want to tell those stories finally, um, visually, poetry, whatever. Um, and so that's the aim of my work at this moment is to highlight those and especially, um, yeah, like the, the black mamas, grandmas, aunties, cousins. <laughs> a, I mean, the, is that a, a recent addition to your bio to say from Alexandria originally? It is. It is. I had to be clear and clarify um, because as much as I do owe a lot of my artistic everything to New Orleans, you know, I've been in this city for over 20 years. It's a huge part of my life. I just turned 40. So half of my life has been here, half of my life, you know, in Alexandria. Um, I just want to make sure that I'm paying homage and giving credit where credit is due. So I consider myself by coastal in Louisiana, <laughs> one foot in central Louisiana and the other foot in the Gulf. Uh, in that, you know that in San Antonio sometimes, um, like I'm from I'm from the Rio Grande Valley, which is south of here, like four hours mm -hmm. south of San Antonio. Uh, so I have I have trouble sometimes saying that I'm from San Antonio, even though I've been here for 25 years, right? Mm -hmm. And is, is, is New Orleans kind of, is that the same way where like, like, are you allowed to say that you're from New Orleans? Are you a New Orleanian? Or are you like, I'm no, of it. From it. <laughs> no, I would never want to claim and say I'm I'm from it. I'm very proud uh, to to be a Central Louisiana girl and to just I'm I consider myself a like true you know you have a true Texan or a true Louisianian like my family ranges from I have family from Shreveport which is at the top of you know, Louisiana all the way down to New Orleans so um, yeah. I'm good on, like they say, I'm good on any MLK Boulevard. I'm good in <laughs> True Louisiana and grew up on the stoop, you know, <laughs> having having lemonade and sweet tea. I <laughs> right. Come on with the sweet tea. Come, Come through with the sweet tea. Uh, so you, I, some, I know this sound, real, this sound real country and real black, but I did eat some collard greens and cornbread today. It was vegan collard greens and vegan cornbread, but. 
ain't nothing yeah. wrong with that. Wrong. We make cornbread in this house. Like my grandmother said, I don't know what traditions y'all have, but my great grandmother would be like, don't waste no utensils and you better eat that with your hands. So, <laughs> we make cornbread in this house on the regular. I married a country boy. I know all about it. <laughs> um, so let me... So let me ask you, because you mentioned that like you feel you feel responsible to tell these stories, right, of, of the people from where you came from and whatnot. And uh, as we found out in your bio, you've got a book coming out later this year. So what are some of the things on the horizon for Icon? What is some of the new work that you're diving into or in releasing? Yeah. Um, that whole thing about the healing work, like I really, um, as much as I appreciate speaking to things that are going on, I also want to make work that envisions like what could be or what I want to be. And so um, a lot of the work now is going back and reclaiming uh, things and reclaiming power, reclaiming names. And so when I, you know, the um, the little girl's big names thing was the big thing. And so um I wanted this book to be about names and not just like what we call ourselves, but what we answer to how we see ourselves and how we define that for ourselves. And so mm -hmm. it's going back to those people who may not have had the opportunity to name themselves or to claim that power and doing that in honor of and legacy of. And so this work now um, focuses on that. I'm really proud of this book and will be thankful when my OCD um, <laughs> task and take my hands off of it and just like let it be and release it to the public. So hopefully I'll be sharing with everybody the cover art soon and you'll be able to pre-order um, the book. In addition to the book, I will, um, the plan is to also do some kind of visual and performance art release that will coincide with it. Um, and I'll be recording more visuals, not like the short film, well, in line with the short film kind of that I did uh, where there's visuals that go along to some of the poetry. Who knows, the sky is the limit. We in a quarantine, so we got nothing but time and <laughs> technology mm -hmm. on our hands. Icon gonna drop the next lemonade, y'all. That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> Winter 2020. No, I love a good beat. Don't come for me, but you know, she got a lot of them visuals from Louisiana. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I'm a less than that white and that I'm a late, I'm a let it stay there. But you know, that's her well, her family's background is you know, supposedly Creole or whatever. So I give props to her for paying homage to that. <laughs> oh, Eddie's <thing. laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ryan McMaster says, let me know so I can throw money at you. So if people do want to throw money at you, where can they find some some uh, some of your work right now? Or pre-order. Um, pre-order. I, so I'm going to be honest too. I felt like I had to be one of those people where everything needs to be perfect before I do things like the website needs to be redone and I need to have the shop up on the website so people can get the merch and get to this and that. And I was just literally about to pull the little strands of hair. I still got left out my scalp and finally just said, I'm going to put it up and probably post within the next week or so, like how everybody can pre-order and it'll maybe be something simple, like a link on my website or, um, you know, go to an Amazon or something. I'll, I'll make it really, really simple. Yeah. Really um, simple. But uh, along with the book, I'm also planning to release other merchandise, um, posters, wearable merch, like t-shirts. Uh, Vocab's on here, and she's just said that your hat, she said come through with that hat. So uh, there's some, some props out for the hat. Um, 
I, I thought it was nice too. So uh, <laughs> that particular style choice of the evening is that what you normally wear on a Thursday night? Uh, is it uh, just for poetry's sake? We need to know. On a regular Thursday night, I'm either at one or two extremes. I'm covered in paint or I'm super fly. There's no in-between. I'm either a complete oh. bum or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all caught me on a good y'all caught me on a good Thursday. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I've I've seen you all over the place at random times and you always seem super fly to me. It's, you know, because you've been out there and I and I feel like I want to say somebody said this about you are, you're out there, you've done a lot. You're, you're a staple in your community and an icon besides being icon. Uh, but you're kind of like a local legend, right? To one of those things where like everybody knows you in, in this kind of like Louisiana, Texas circle and the rest of the world needs to know you. Um, but for as much as people know, there's some things they don't know. What are some things we don't know about icon that we should know? Oh, Lord, I can't give away all my business, but um, I, I don't know. I guess one of those would be that like poetry was not my first art form or first um, or it wasn't my main, you know, um, prior to <clears throat> doing poetry. I was like I played sport. I was an athlete and <laughs> a potential medical student. I was in school to be a doctor initially. Um I know a lot of people are like, how do you go from being bio pre-med and master's in public health to a poet? And yeah, it just kind of happened that way. Um, a lot of people don't know that I do dabble in visual art, I guess. Uh, what is something else a lot of people don't know about me? I'm extremely shy. I think I put uh, on my Instagram, there's like on the tag, it says anti-social, socialite or something of that nature. <laughs> I am so, so socially awkward and whatever. So a lot of the times what people sense is humility is maybe sometimes me just like being just super awkward because yeah, I don't ever see myself as one of the cool kids. I have to convince myself that I am most times. <laughs> I'm still the little, I'm still the only child in my room, like playing with all my little gadgets, gadgets and toys and not having to worry about anybody else in my world. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that was the other thing. Only child. Um, I have oh, grew ahead. up with lots of invisible friends. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> still talk to a lot of them. We're still in contact. So, so let me rapid fire here, real quick. Um, favorite ice cream? Ooh, I don't really eat ice cream. I'm lactose intolerant. All right, there you go. Uh, favorite <laughs> liquor? Ooh, wine, champagne, all of them. Oh, <laughs> favorite X-Men? I don't do uh, comedy. I don't know X-Men. I don't know Marvel or DC. I don't know the difference. There you go. Favorite Cajun dish? All of it. Boudin. I don't know. Uh, yes. Yeah. Favorite place to nap? Oh, everywhere. Um, Couch, <laughs> sofa. Sofas. Sofas are the best places to nap. We have options. You can lie down, you can sit up, you can, you know, comfortable, you can catch a corner. Yeah. You can sit <laughs> you, there and kind of act like you're still awake, but you're, you know, just resting your eyes. Do you intentionally nap, nap or do you kind of just pass out on the sofa because it's like been a day? I'm 40 years old now. I intentionally <laughs> nap. Oh, oh, <laughs> I okay. saw someone put up a meme that was like, when I was a kid, the two things I hated was taking a nap and 
be in spanked. And now that I'm older, those are my two favorites. <laughs> <laughs> we shall take it. I definitely fell victim to the accidental nap earlier today. I was just there on this couch and then I'll. <laughs> those are the best ones. Especially when you wake up, you got that little mm, uh, right there. Yeah. That's when you wake up. You'd be like, oh, what I done done? Uh. <laughs> what happened? And then, like your boss tells you, you shouldn't have done that, and it's a mess. Nah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, speaking of, you said you are forty years old. You are the epitome of black don't crack because I don't think you've ever looked a day over twenty-two. You know, I'll take it. I'll take it. Looking fresh and feeling fine. You you traveled some for poetry, and I know you've traveled for a, in a number of uh, slam venues and uh, different national uh, slams and regional slams. Uh, what's your favorite city in which to perform poetry? Aside from New Orleans or Alexandria, I'm sure. Oh man, that's hard. Top three. Texas, Texas be so good to you, you know? It doesn't matter where you go in Texas. Like Texas is always so good to you. Doesn't matter if it's Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, Laredo, Austin, like Texas is always it would be somewhere between Texas and the Carolina, like North Carolina, somewhere in North Carolina. You know, That's always, right. Yeah. The love That's is just yeah. okay. That's right. You hear that, poets? Come to Texas when in twenty twenty two when the world opens up again. And not not in July, you know, <laughs> I've seen you know, I know I know that you were in July in, in Laredo once. And uh, it was like 105 at night, and I know that there was a that was a that was a thing that was just kind of a little disrespectful of Laredo. I think. <laughs> you see that side eye? You see that side eye? We said we th who invited us hell to have this slam. <laughs> it was so hot. I had never at 10 p.m. experienced the 105 degree weather. It was that was crazy, but it was so beautiful when Laredo it made you forget about it. This is true. That's this free. is true. That Southwest shootout a few years ago. Yes, you you're freezing, but we still heard you. We heard everything, which is fine. Mm -hmm. You know, apparently Thursday night is the night that people do virtual shows, but we were here first, y'all. Okay, <laughs> go claim another night of the month. There must be something going on. I've never experienced this much freezing. Um, yeah, yeah, we're, we're making it. It's all good. That's that's literally where we're at in 2020. We are making it as best as we can. Um, and I think mm -hmm. you have definitely um, proven that you can still make it in this craziness. You released a short film. You're really dropping a book. Like so much work that you have done. And we are just so glad and blessed that you were able to take the time to find the time to be with us here tonight. So thank you so much for coming through and, and spending thank a Thursday you. night with us. Thank you for having me. This has been a cool Thursday night and one of the cooler virtual situations mm -hmm. um, well. I've been a part of. It's like sitting back talking to family <laughs> for old time's sake. Yeah. I really miss yeah, I miss that being able to just be like, hey, there's a show in whatever and getting in the car and driving to Texas. But soon come, soon. Soon, Hopefully. soon. 2022. Yeah. We'll see you then. <laughs> uh, will you do us the honor of closing us out? Act right in 2021. Right. Definitely. Right. Wear your masks, people. Um so 
<laughs> wear your mask, people. Wear your mask. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to close out, I guess, with my one of my favorite poems that's for, um, yeah, all the women who, who helped make, you, make me. So I watched my Medea. I watched my Medea take a few cups of cornmeal, half a gallon of milk, and a couple of eggs and feed her entire family. I watched my grandmothers take the bitterness of divorce and turn them into some of the sweetest homemade cakes you've ever tasted. I watched my own mother take an unplanned teenage pregnancy and years of ridicule and turn into over 30 years of marriage, a career in education, and an award-winning poet for a daughter. See, I'm from a long line of women, women who know how to take life's most bitter ingredients and turn them into something worth licking your plates for. Women whose palms are laced with wrinkles and stardust, who weave miracles from misfortune. So you can call them women, call them mothers, call them alchemists, hell, even call them magicians, but whatever you call them, you better make sure you call them ma'am or missus, because they are the type of women who demand respect. No hand on hip or roll of neck to keep you in check. Nah, my mama, my grandma, and mama dear, they the type of women whose eyes say everything their mouths never need to. See, the women in my family, they inhale life's pollution and exhale gospel. They are walking, talking hymnals, perfect verses of chestnut skin and big bones set over organs and strong heartbeats, all testimony and healing, all holy and how I got over. See, the women in my family, they be bridges over troubled waters. Beautiful examples of how to take life storms and turn them into baptisms. And some days I don't feel worthy of this kind of salvation. I know that I have been saved by their blood, sweat and tears. Some days, no matter how much I accomplish, I wonder if I am doing such a legacy, any justice over the cross to bear. See this world. This world will try to make you forget the strength in your own spine, even when it's in your DNA to bend and never break, even after you give and give and give and never take anything for yourself. See, we are sometimes seen as saviors, but never as angels. That's why we've had to learn to take the scars on our shoulders and carve out our own wings, which is to say we don't need the world to tell us we fly. Although it would be a nice gesture, well-deserved recognition, but thankfully, thankfully, our mamas, our grandmas, our medias, they taught us how to be our own tambourines, which is to say they taught us how to shake, shake, shake the devil off our backs and Holy Ghost dance all over his neck. See, their ancestors taught them that. These were the things that could not be drowned in the Atlantic Ocean. And for them, we say, hallelujah. All those who came before us, we say thank you, God. For I am from a long line of women who know how to turn classrooms and kitchens into pulpits. The type of women who have taught me that when your life, your life becomes a sermon that no one else wants to hear. Sometimes, sometimes you got to be your own. Amen. Amen, y'all. Amen. Thank you for that very necessary, very Thank necessary you. work. Uh, that you Thank you. And if you want to find I more about Icon, 
hearts to everyone if you want to find more about icon make sure you follow her on instagram icon the artist go to her webpage icontheartist.com uh, that way you can be in the know in the loop when she drops that cover art when she when her book goes on pre-sale when she wins the sundance film award you know like just you know stay connected follow her on the social medias and uh show her some love you can send her some or a um, grammy. Huh, or a grammy or a grammy uh, you can totally uh, look, tip everything y'all throwing down. I'm picking up, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we putting it out into the universe. Uh, All the Until then, you can also tip her. She's on Cash App and PayPal. Icon the artist. You know, tip the poet. We're virtually passing the hat right now. We're passing that very fashionable hat that she is wearing at the moment. Please fill uh, it up. Fill it up. Fill up my cup. <laughs> but thank you for spending this time with us, Icon. We are blessed. Gracias. Thank you. Thank you so I am blessed. Thank you guys. Love y'all. Yeah. Mm. All right, man. That was an awesome, awesome interview. And you know, we're re- we're, we're winding down this uh, this year. Yeah. This the season, if you will, our first season. I don't think we announced that we're we're winding the season. This is our second to last show, and our last show will be next week, and then we're going to break for the holidays because, I don't know, I think that's a thing people do. But. This is our penultimate <laughs> show, if you will. Yeah. But who is on the ultimate show? Mm-hmm. Well, next week, to close out our first season, and when I say season, I think we've had, like, 32 episodes. We've been doing this every week since mm-hmm. April. Um, to close this out, we have none other... Then America's Got Talent season 15 winner, Brand- Brandon Leak, will be joining us on Words and Shit next week. So that should be interesting. That's He's touring. Huh? It's going to be extremely interesting. We're having a very famous, another very famous poet uh, with us. Verified Czech famous. Uh, he's touring through Texas in the coming weeks between November and December. So he's going to take some time to drop into our virtual studio, talk about life, how it's changed since America's Got Talent, how it stayed the same, I don't know, um, and his upcoming show. So be sure to come tune back in next week for our final show of the season before we break for the holidays. Um, until then, you can always catch up on past episodes that are now available via our podcasts. That's right. Wherever you find your podcast, it's there. So go check them out. We're releasing new episodes, previous episodes every week. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Words and Shh. That's right. Words and shh. And that's not because we didn't want to do words and shit. It's just that uh, Twitter didn't let us. So we're words and Because somebody already had it. Somebody who hasn't posted in four years. I'm really upset about that. Anywho. Um, and make sure that you follow Write Art Out on Instagram and Facebook so that you can catch up on all the things that they are putting out, including writers' workshops, open mics, youth workshops, etc. So until next week, y'all, uh, that was Eddie Vega. And that was Chibagonia. Stay safe, y'all. Wear a mask.